When a person sees ministry strictly as something they do at a church building that is separate from the rest of their lives, it is a setup for all sorts of problems, personal problems and relational problems. We must not dichotomize ministry because all of life is our ministry, a common-sense approach for living well with others while loving God supremely. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am glad that you are here. This is an article that I have written for you all, and I trust it will benefit you. It's a little bit over 2,000 words, and you're welcome to read every single word of it, share it broadly and, and widely. I started to say wildly with your friends, and you can share it wildly as well. And you can also listen to the podcast. And, of course, inside the article, I have a ton of embedded links so that you can just spend days, weeks, and literally months studying this one article. And here's the title, What is Christian Ministry and Why It Can Suck the Life Out of You? This is a big deal because there are many people doing ministry and life is being sucked out of them. And I trust that this podcast and the accompanying article will be a benefit to them. I trust it will be a benefit to all of us because I have seen so much of this in my Christian experience. And I wanted to write about it because there is a misuse of the word ministry, and we misuse the word, we're going to misapply the word, and then we're going to live it out the wrong way. And so the way that I want to walk through this article and this podcast here is I want to introduce 10 people to you. All of them have an interpretation and an application of ministry. And then a little bit later on, I will talk about them individually and where they may have it wrong and maybe a better way for them to think about ministry. But let me begin by with this question. As I share these 10 people with you, here's the question that I want you to think about. What do all 10 of these people have in common? Now, here's the answer. They have a wrong view of what it means to be, here's the quote, in the ministry. What they have is a compartmentalized or a narrow idea of the word ministry. They see ministry as something they do at a particular time in a specific context. Now, that is the definition that I want to deconstruct and debunk. If you see ministry as something that you do at a particular time and in a specific context, and then there are other times and other contexts where you aren't doing ministry, then you have a dichotomized view of the ministry, and that is wrong. Now, I want to make that case throughout this article here. Again, the title of it is, What is Christian Ministry and Why It Can Suck the Life Out of You? Now, here are my 10 friends, and this is just a short, brief snippet of how they view ministry. Number one, when Grandma Mabel prays, she thanks God for her children, especially those in the ministry. Now, that's actually a true story, sadly. Imagine being some of the children who are not in ministry. Well, then there is a two-tiered system in Grandma Mabel's mind. Those who 
are in ministry and then those other lower ranked Christians. All right, number two, Biff lives with this low grade level of discontentment. He has a not so secret desire to be in ministry. Biff may be related to Grandma Mabel, that he wants to be on the upper tier. He wants to be on her prayer list where she's thanking God for those that are in the ministry. And so he has this low-grade level of discontentment because he's not in the ministry. And then number three, Pastor Bart is exhausted after a long day in the ministry. Number four, Biffina is embarrassed about being a stay-at-home mom because all she can do is change diapers. She longs to do ministry someday. Number five, Elder Bert. He feels superior because he's in the ministry. Maybe he's Grandma Mabel's son, the one on the upper tier. Not like Biff, who longs to be in ministry, but Elder Bert, he, he has this sense of superiority because he is in the ministry. Number six, Biffy. He secretly he is secretly envious and sometimes openly critical of Elder Bert because he, Biffy, is not in the ministry. Number seven, Martha feels complete because her ministry fills the void that her self-absorbed husband has left in their marriage. Her husband has left a hole in her marriage, in their marriage, and she fills that hole by being in the ministry. Number eight, Barry plays the ministry card from the pulpit. He motivates and manipulates his people by telling them, you need a ministry. Number nine, Madge. Madge is overwhelmed by the ministry and does not see how it is tearing at her family. She hasn't participated in a church service in three years because she's always doing ministry during the church service. It's the new normal, and no one is speaking into her life. And then finally, illustration number 10, Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob knows it's wrong. But he needs warm bodies on Sunday morning. He considers it an acceptable sacrifice. Here's the sacrifice. The deterioration of some of his families for the practical needs of filling ministry needs for Sunday morning. Now, there are 10 people, Grandma Mabel, Biff, Pastor Bart, Biffina, Biffina, Elder Bert, Biffy, Martha, Barry, Madge, and Pastor Bob. All of them have this phrase working for them in the ministry, and all 10 of them have a poor definition and application of what that means. You see, the word ministry comes from more than one Greek word in the Bible. That's not an unusual practice for the New Testament writers. Our temptation is to take the one English word, ministry, and give it a primary, singular, and dominant meaning, which is what my ten friends have done. The word ministry is used comprehensively in the New Testament. Let me give you a few examples 
And I have these listed here in this article, and I have the verses beside each one of these examples. And all you have to do is you can hover over with your cursor. If you hover over these verses, a box will pop up, and you can read right from inside the article. You can read these verses for yourself. But in Acts 6-4, I want to give you a, a few examples of how the the word ministry is used in so many different ways in the New Testament. And so in Acts 6, 4, we have this little sentence, but he will devote, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word ministry. In Acts 20, 24, we learn that Paul's ministry that he received from the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3, 8, we hear of the ministry of the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3, 9, the ministry of condemnation. Same verse, 2 Corinthians 3, 9, the ministry of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18, the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 9, 1, the ministry of the saints. And then you know this one, I'm sure, Ephesians 4.12, equipping the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. And then finally, Hebrews 8.6, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant. Now, here are several illustrations of how ministry is used in the New Testament. Therefore, we don't want to take the word ministry and give it such a singular interpretation as meaning it is some practical function that I do at a church building. Now, you can test your friends by asking them what comes to mind when they hear the word ministry, or ask them what the word ministry means to them. Wouldn't that be a fun conversation? Just sit around, like say a small group, just drop the word ministry right there and say, define that. What does it mean? What does it mean to you? What should come to mind is that ministry means a way one person can serve another person. That's a good way of thinking about ministry. The New Testament writers did not intend for any of the words for ministry to be the exclusive domain of full-time church staff or people who provide a singular function for their local churches. Every person in the body of Christ is a full-time minister of Christ. We should see our full-time ministry as a way of life that impacts every minute of our lives, including the ministry of sleep. Even going to the grocery store is an invaluable ministry for a Christian to perform. In fact, right here in that sentence, there is a link that is over the two words grocery store, and it's one of my favorite articles on the uh, it, on our entire website about the number one reason that you would go to the grocery store. I'm not going to get into that here, but if you want to read that, then you will see why I say that going to the grocery store is an invaluable ministry for every Christian to perform, and it has very little about buying groceries. 
to hold to the more narrow interpretive view of ministry. It would have the Savior's ministry restricted to the times that he was preaching on a hillside. If, 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 if ministry means, as it does for so many people, a specific context in a restricted way, then Jesus' ministry was just like, say, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where he was talking on the hillside. But no, all of his life was ministry. You could sum up what our idea of ministry should be like the way the Lord did. Here's a great way to define ministry in Matthew 22, quote, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and his second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What a fantastic illustration of what ministry is. Therefore, inside, outside the house, 24 hours a day, you can be loving God and loving others with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, what I want to do now is I want to go through those 10 people. I want to go back through Grandma and Biff and Pastor Bart and Biffina and Elder Bert and Biffy and Martha and Barry and Madge and Pastor Bob. And I want to take a look at each one of those, their interpretations of ministry as I have uh, outlined them to you previously, and then just make a few comments on all all ten of them. Let's talk. Let's talk about Grandma Mabel first. Grandma Mabel has a two tier system. Now Christianity is not a two tiered system of those in the ministry and those who not who are not. Christianity is not that. Grandma Mabel, with all respect and honor, but you are wrong. According to her interpretation of the word, Grandma Mabel is unwittingly dissing part of her family, the ones who are not in, quote, in the ministry. Her ministry only encourages those in ministry. She would be amazed at how much her ministry of encouragement could infuse her non-ministry children to pursue Christ and others more effectively. If Grandma Mabel had a broader interpretation of ministry, she would not just pray primarily for those in ministry, but she would pray for her entire family and encourage all of them because all of them have a wonderful ministry. Let me give you a personal illustration of this. I will never forget the day in 1989 when I asked Hector Enriquez, a Puerto Rican in Queens, New York, what he did for a living. Here it is. He said this. I had only known him less than five minutes. This was the first conversation I ever had with him. And because he's a man and I'm a man, that means one of the first three questions that you ask a man is, what do you do for a living? And I asked Hector Enriquez what he did for a living in those first five minutes. And he said, quote, I buff floors for Jesus. I was stunned. Literally, I was stunned by his words because I had a whacked view of ministry. And God began a reorientation of my self-righteous heart that day as it pertained to what ministry means. I was in Queens, New York, to evangelize as a minister of the gospel. I was in ministry. Hector wasn't until he told me he buffed floors for Jesus. 
God allowed my proud heart to see another one of his ministers of the gospel, a floor cleaner from Jackson Heights. And while I'm not sure how effective I was that week ministering the gospel, I'm not sure. I am sure how effective Hector was, how effective his ministry was to me as I still talk about him all these years later, and the impact that his ministry had on my heart, standing there in the American Legion Hall, smelling the throw-up, the vomit, and the alcohol from Saturday night, talking to a Puerto Rican who says, I buff floors for Jesus. Thank you so much, Hector. Grandma needs to be more like Hector. Drop that two-tier system. Her whole family, who named the name of Christ, or in ministry, whether they're preaching the gospel from a pulpit or buffing floors somewhere in Jackson Heights. And then we have Biff. You remember Biff, the selfish ambition? You see, Biff has bought into the lie that fulfillment for the Christian happens when he is in full-time ministry. No. Satisfaction comes through our relationship with Christ while what we do for Christ is the outflow of our gratitude for Christ's kind gospel work in our hearts. Bill has moved Christ to the periphery of his heart. He has an insatiable craving to be doing something for Jesus. If he would repent of this craving and seek a friend who could walk him through this distorted view of ministry, he might find himself doing many wonderful things for Jesus wherever he is, including his his pastoral job. And then there's Pastor Bart's part-time job, you remember? You see, Bart has missed the boat on this one. He's like the man who comes home from a hard day on the production line and demands me time. There are two things wrong with his view. One, it's not biblical. And number two, he doesn't understand what his his wife does for a living. You see, a wife, a mother, has no me time. And this puzzle became clear to me several years ago when I began working primarily from home. People asked me how we did during COVID 2020 with staying at home. I said, well, we have been sheltering in place since 2003. And so From that perspective, we had no problem uh, sheltering in place and and social distancing. When I came home in 2003, I thought that my wife always kept the house clean because she always had it clean at at 5 p.m. when I arrived home from work. But after my first week at home, I realized how complicated and unending things were for my wife. Pastor Bart needs to redefine what ministry means. It's not just what he does on the job in the building. He has an incredible ministry opportunity for his wife and children. If Bart understands this, it could, if Bart misunderstands what I'm saying, rather, it could end his marriage. It could embitter his children. It could end his ministry at the church. Pastor Bart can rest in heaven like all of us, but his responsibility is to minister 24-7, not just in the building 40 hours a week. 
And then there's Bifina's incalculable ministry. See, you see, Bifina is the stay-at-home mom, and that's why I say Bifina has an incalculable ministry. Being a mom is the one ministry that is the hardest to calculate. Bifina's ministry will continue for generations. The impact she can have on her children and the advantage of her role as a mom, well, that is a pastor's dream. You see, pastoring is, in considerable measure, helping people with problems, right? Bifina has approximately 18 years to come alongside her children in a shepherding role. There is a high probability that she will have more impact on her children than her pastor. That's why I said Bifina's incalculable ministry. There is no way to calculate how God can use her in her ministry as a stay-at-home mom. And then there's Elder Bert. He has a self-righteous ministry as he looks down on others because he sees himself in ministry with a superior attitude. Bert is a hollow man who uses the ministry to carve out a kingdom so that he can feel fabulous about himself by feeling superior to everyone else. Now, this situation may surprise you, but selfish ambition is one of the most common sin patterns in people's hearts in full-time ministry. And if you haven't heard of selfish ambition, I would love for you to reflect upon it because it is a big deal for people in ministry. Let me give you an analogy. It's like the desirous executive who surrounds himself with cars and money and other idle-feeding allurements. It is a misconception to think that the power of the ministry does not allure pastors and other full-time ministry people. Elder Bert has a self-righteous view of ministry, and he is using ministry to, fe to feed and to fill his idolatrous cravings. And then you have Biffy's sinful comparing you see, Biffy wants to be in ministry, and so he compares himself to, say, like Elder Bert. And he can't be in ministry, so he feels unfulfilled, where Bert feels fulfilled because he's in ministry and both of them are wrong. Biffy's wrong view of the ministry has spun him into uncharitable comparing. Uncharitable comparing is the heart wanderings of the fool. Not wanderings, W-A-N, but wanderings, W-O-N, to wonder. You see, Biff is wondering what it would like if to be in ministry. Uncharitable comparing is the heart wanderings of the fool. And this is what Paul was teaching in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Someone needs to talk to Biffy to release him from the pressure of feeling like he needs to be in ministry. He needs to serve God where God has placed him. It is a temptation to think God tabulates things the way that we do. Omniscient holy God does not view life as finite sinful people do. And then we have Martha. You remember Martha? 
Her self-absorbed husband has sucked a hole into their marriage, and so Martha has a surrogate husband. Martha has found a new husband in her ministry. The sad thing about Martha's situation is that her church leadership will, will let her serve in ministry because it's more important than what is going on in her home, and that is sad. This short-sightedness misses an incredible God-honoring opportunity for the church. There should be a full frontal biblical invasion on the marriage, Martha's marriage, for restoration for the glory of God. The picture her marriage ministry portrays, her new marriage, is more critical to her and more critical to the church than her real marriage. A little job in the church does not merit the high praise that marriage receives in the Bible. Martha needs to fess up about her marriage, her real marriage, and the church needs to step up by helping her restore the distorted image of Christ and the church, which is displayed by her marriage. And then you have Barry, the pragmatist. Pastor Barry, he needs a few good men and women, and he doesn't care how he gets them or the cost involved in the getting. Pragmatism Results, just getting results, filling a slot, finding people regardless of the cost. Pragmatism is killing his church. You see, somehow Christians have got it into their thinking that they are to provide every ministry for every whim of every person who walks through the door. There's no biblical warrant for this. It is as though if we don't have the ministry in place, God cannot work. Shut down the program. Shut down the ministry before you stretch your people so thin that ministry duty kills Christian joy. And somebody talked to Barry the pragmatist who really doesn't care about the cost because he wants to fill slots. The truth is I've never met a repentant person who could not get to God because there was no ministry to get him there. Did you know that Jesus worked without flannel graphs and iPads and big screens and an army of ministry leaders? It is amazing how God could do so much with so little. So solid sovereignty can become extremely man-centered when thinking about what ministry should be in the church. Shut it down. If you don't have the ministry, this is how we, if you don't have the people to operate the ministry, this is how we function. There is so much more that we could do, but we don't. We have only so much money. We have only so many people that we can pay. We do what we can do, and we say no to the rest. God can take care of it. And then you have Madge the joyless. Part of the problem with Madge is that her husband is not leading her. Now, there is no excuse for her to be in this spiritual and physical shape. But Madge's twisted view of ministry will sow incalculable generational and bitter seeds into her children. They will feel the marginalization from what the ministry has brought into their lives, and the temptation for her children will be to reject God. She has no joy. You remember Madge is the one that hasn't even been to a church service in three years because she's doing ministry her husband needs to step up and lead her. 
And then you have Pastor Bob's Exhausted Church. Now, I've already spoken on this. Duty has replaced joy. Rote laborers have replaced spirit-inspired ministers. The uncondemned, though God does not condemn us, there's no more condemnation. The uncondemned feel condemned because they are not in ministry. The local church is incrementally crushing the family in the name of ministry. Pastor Bob needs gospel-centered volunteers rather than ministry-centered guilted workers. The title of this podcast and the article is, What is Ministry and Why It Can Suck the Life Out of You? Let me close by giving you six practical applications that anyone can make in their church if they have this narrow, compartmentalized view of ministry. Number one, cut back on ministry. You do not have to have all the things to all. You don't have to. Be, you don't have to be all things to all people. If you do not have this mindset, the tyranny of the urgent will run you into the ground. Number one, cut back on ministry. Number two, increase your preaching of the gospel. If the cross rivets a man or a woman, he will be a faithful minister of the gospel everywhere he goes. Number three, reteach what ministry is. Re-envision your church about ministry, especially encouraging those who do the mundane work of ministry in their homes. Number four, release the guilty. Several folks in your church are insecure and quickly made to feel guilty. Equip and envision them regarding what it means to be free in Christ. Number five, rebuild your infrastructure. Begin identifying, isolating those ministry leaders with bad marriages, poor families. Help them. And then identify your 12. Find those who are leaders. Build them up to do the work of the ministry in the church. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.